Hello and welcome to Chick Flicks. I'm Mackenzie Chapman. And I'm Bridget Hovell, and today we are talking about Unpregnant and Plan B. But uh, first I just want to say we're talking about two movies today that are about young women in America trying to access um, important either contraceptive or birth control or abortions um, and having a lot of difficulty doing that. And it's pretty relevant because there are a ton of measures currently um, being undertaken in different states to further um, deny people access to abortion, Um, particularly in Texas, where the evil governor, Greg Abbott, um, a personal enemy of mine, uh, made a really restrictive and terrible, um, has made a really heinous and restrictive abortion law in Texas that will prevent a lot of people from accessing the health care that they need. Um, So I wanted to do a quick plug for... um, a organization in Houston, Texas, that does a lot of really excellent and amazing work getting people direct access to abortions and other um, healthcare called Clinic Access uh, Support Network. Their URL is www.clinicaccess.org. They um, provide uh, transportation and childcare for people seeking abortion in Houston which is a city that does not have um, public transportation. And as uh, Unpregnant points out, you need someone to sign you in and out of your abortion appointment so you can't go by yourself. Um, And the other place I wanted to give a shout-out to is uh, a Philly-based organization, which is now where we're both located, called uh, Women's Medical Fund that is like our local abortion fund. So uh, if this is something that stirs you, I encourage you to donate to those places. Before we jump into these two uh, movies, let's catch up. What are you into, Bridget? Um, This week I'm into two books that I'm really enjoying. Um, The first is Writers and Lovers by Lily King. This is a book that I saw on a lot of best of 2020 lists and seemed kind of skeptical of, mostly because I don't like the name of the book, which is a stupid reason to write off a book, especially since so many other people were like excited about it. But I have a habit of just adding um, really popular books to my Libby queue, which is the library Mm -hmm. app I use. And I normally, if it's a new book, there's like a six month or seven month wait list. So I've been waitlisted for this book for like months and months and months. And I finally got it and I was like, fine, I'll read it. And I ended (laughs) up really enjoying it. It's about a young woman in the late 90s who is working as a waitress and she's an aspiring writer. She wakes up every morning early to write and then goes to her waitressing shift and she lives in this tiny shitty uh shed in someone's backyard um and her mom recently died so she's getting over that while also writing this novel about her mother um and the meat of the book for me was uh unfortunately her (laughs) love triangle between two men that she was interested in and i was enjoying the book because i really love reading about like minutiae of other people's lives, like descriptions of her work working as a waitress were like really interesting to me. Mm-hmm. Um, but when we got to the stuff about which of these two men is she going to be with? I was <laughs> hooked. Uh, really good descriptions of kissing. If you're into that. Um, it's funny cause I already told Mackenzie about this in person cause now we see each other on the reg. So I feel like yeah. I'm repeating myself. No, it's okay. And, I love it. Anyway, really liked it. Um, The other book I want to recommend is The Office of Historical Corrections by Daniel Evans, which is a collection of short stories 
And um, I just really love a good short story book. And Daniel Evans has, for me, kind of taken up like the short story Queen Mantle from Alice Munro, who's my other favorite short story writer. And the two in particular that I've really enjoyed in this book so far, one was about um, Daniel Evans is a, a black writer. And she wrote a story from kind of the perspective of a white teen in college who gets caught up in this scandal because she's photographed in a Confederate bikini, like a bikini with a Confederate flag on it. Mm-hmm. And it's like a, like a strangely empathetic story without being um, forgiving to the, the teen. Mm-hmm. And, and um, it was just really, really well written. And then the other one that I read just last night is about an artist who... Um, kind of stirred, like a famous male artist who's stirred by Me Too, decides to do this art project where he apologizes to the women in his lives, the women in his life ranging from, um, you know, like a former assistant to his two ex-wives, to his daughter, to women he slept with once. Um, And he apologizes to them in, like, different ways. Like, he makes a pop-up coffee shop that is, has, like, an apology on the walls or... He makes a song or an installation because he's an artist. And um, it's about, like, the different women reacting to this, like, incredibly uh, successful artist who is, like, turning his remorse into an art project, basically. Right. It was really good. I really, really enjoyed it. She's a great writer. And that, again, is The Office of Historical Corrections by Daniel Evans. And the last thing I want to plug, I guess I'm obsessed with Michelle Zahner. Um, <laughs> Aren't Abby's we all? Breakfast. Like... <laughs> Truly, I feel that way. I had, uh, I've been listening to her new album, Jubilee, and I just finished her book. And when I heard that the book is becoming a movie, I was almost like, I have to step away. Like, I feel like this is an actual person with a real life. And now I am like in it deeply. Um, I was reading lots of interviews with her. But anyway, Jubilee is really, really good. And I've been listening to it a lot. And um, I read one interview with her where she said that like a common trajectory for an indie star who keeps getting bigger and bigger is to like move more towards like arena pop and I'm happy she's not doing that not in a mm. ooh she's not selling out way but uh, can you tell I've had a ton of coffee this morning um, no you're good I feel like I'm hype anyway well, that's better. good you sound no you're like you sound very like coherent and um, thank you what's the word for like uh, good good speaking <laughs> thank, oh thank what you is good. that and to you too Mackenzie <laughs> eloquent or something thank you I wasn't going to say eloquent because I didn't want to be like, I sounded eloquent. Well, I was like elegant, but not that. <laughs> elegant. I have not had any coffee yet. <laughs> you might be able to tell from We're on two different words. frequencies. <laughs> Mackenzie, what are you into this week? So I just finished reading yet another YA novel because I, you know, that's just my speed, okay? Um, but I finished Perfect on Paper by Sophie Gonzalez and it's about a girl in this like fancy private school who writes uh she has a locker that accepts uh like love advice letters oh, yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. and she like anonymously responds to them mm-hmm. um and it's sort of like this side hustle cuz they give her money to give her give them advice um and she is she's bi and she's in love with her best friend but she ends she like falls in love with this 
guy who has like discovered that she is the person behind the locker. Mm. And I think it's just, I've never read, I don't think I've ever read a book about a bi main character actually. Yeah. And I think that um, she struggles with uh, like being in love with her best friend and with ad- like admitting that she does have feelings for a guy and feeling like maybe it might mm-hmm. make her less queer. And I think that's just like a very relatable feeling. And I liked that um, I think there were just a lot there was like all, all the advice she gave was very like usually pretty good but it also I think sometimes veered into that like Instagram advice you know like do you know what I mean like well, like yeah. Instagram therapist ad- advice infographic yep oh my <laughs> territory um, but it was kind I was a little self-aware about that the end had this like climax scene that was that I was a little bothered by. Um, but overall, I thought it was like a unique story that I hadn't read before. And, you know, I fucking love romance shit. And the guy was oh, really yeah. cute. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, loved that. And then, and her and her best friend ended up like working things out. And uh, they had a, like, they were okay at the end good, too good, good, thank good. god thank god i thank would god. not have been able to handle anything <laughs> less than that okay um and then the second thing i'm into is a podcast called the lazarus heist and um i recently i now work in tech <laughs> so <laughs> i write a lot about like hacking now hackers colonial pipeline solar yeah, winds ransomware yeah, etc. So Those words. Yeah. <laughs> I um the Lazarus Heist is about the hacking ring that attempted to steal a billion dollars <gasps> and is I think the same one same hacking ring that was involved with the like Sony Hollywood oh, yeah. mm-hmm. uh hack that happened. And it's a lot about, I mean, it's people are like, it's, it's basically like North Korea. (laughs) So it's, it's, but Pyongyang denies like involvement. Mm -hmm. So, um, but it's really, it's just really interesting about how like the Sony hack connects to this like hack uh, in Bangladesh that where they try and steal a billion dollars and like how uh, North Korea trains these hackers in a country that like well they don't even train them in North Korea they train them in China mm-hmm. but like because mm-hmm. like North Korea uh, has very little access to like internet and mm-hmm. everything so it's just it is really interesting I mean I didn't know like I obviously I'm like aware of these hacks even like just as much as like a like a person that isn't in tech yeah. is like um, but it's just more interesting to me now, I think, because I have some more like context um, around that. But mm-hmm. I've been really enjoying that. Um, and then the third thing I'm into is the Netflix uh, miniseries High on the Hog, which is about um, how African-American cuisine transformed America is the tagline. Mm-hmm. Um, it's hosted by chef and writer Stephen Satterfield. And it traces uh, 
like the like food from Africa to Texas and there's an episode about like Philly and New York which I thought was really interesting talking mm. about since we're both in Philly now like you said um about since um when it's about Washington and Thomas Jefferson uh and their cooks and how they were like the first uh celebrity chefs basically um ever which is uh really interesting um and like responsible for basically it's crazy how it's like it's really watching this it's like black people were are the reason for well, like why we eat what we eat today yeah. and just like no one has ever at least there's not been like this huge like netflix show yeah. like there's yeah. no i mean it's based on a book high on the hog yeah. is a book but um or even like celebrity chef like can you think of immediately a black celebrity chef who is as famous you know as right like, yeah i can so readily think of a million white people you know <laughs> right yeah and i think yeah. it's like i feel like that ties into a lot of like the shit that happened at bon appetit as well like mm-hmm. um definitely but it it's like like uh like Thomas Jefferson's cook James Hemings uh invented mm-hmm. mac and cheese so um and they were enslaved so it it's like it's crazy that like and George Washington's cook his name was Hercules um Martha Washington has like this cookbook like recipe collection. I mean, I di- I didn't know that, but it's not surprising to me that like a first lady or whatever would yeah. have that. Um, but probably all the recipes in it were by Hercules. So yeah, and she's he, not cooking. Yeah, and both of these men have had, like sort of had like tragic tales. Obviously, mm-hmm. I mean, like as like yeah. I mean, and yeah, so. I highly recommend it. It's a lot of really good history, and I just love prestige food television as well. Yeah. I'm I gotta watch cur- this. Yeah, uh, I really recommend it. It was really good, and the host Steven Satterfield is just very—he's like very chill and kind, mm. and it's like a different vibe than someone like Anthony Bourdain, who I also—I lo- mean, I love Anthony yeah. Bourdain, but he's just uh, bringing a different uh, yeah. vibe to it, which gotcha. I appreciate. Anyway, <laughs> okay. It's funny because now Mackenzie and I see each other regularly, and for all of your recommendations, I was like, "Wow, that sounds good." I feel like someone told me about this, and it's, and it's you. me. You're the person who, like, when you were talking, describing perfect on paper, I was like, "This is so familiar." Like, I think I heard someone else talking about this, and it was you. Yep. <laughs> oh well. <laughs> Let's jump into our two abortion buddy comedy road trip movies and you'd be like wow what a specific thing but guess what there's now multiple of them yeah (laughs) (laughs) the first is on pregnant from 2020 um when valedictorian veronica clark realizes that she's pregnant she has no one she can turn to not her religious mother or her dumb jock boyfriend or any of her friends there's only one person who can help her drive from missouri to new mexico to get an abortion her ex-best friend bailey um, so this movie was directed by Rachel Lee Goldenberg and has five different screenwriters credited to it. And just to put my cards on the table, I enjoyed this movie, but mm-hmm. I do feel like the five screenwriters thing explains a lot about the movie. 
Yeah, no, I agree. I feel like I did really enjoy this movie. I think that any movie that's like, pure, like at its core about female friendship, mm-hmm. it's gonna like hit me in my core. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah, I I really enjoyed it. I I really like Kaylee Richardson. Mm-hmm. Um, she's a great voice. Something about her voice, I'm like, you are in control of the situation. Like, she I don't know. <laughs> does have a really great voice, and she does seem to play this type a lot. But mm-hmm. um, I really loved her in uh, Columbus, which we've talked about mm-hmm. a bit, and also um, Edge of Seventeen. Have you seen that? Yeah, yeah. She's she's just a a good uh, actress. Pops yeah. up and stuff. <laughs> yeah. But I do feel. I do feel as though Haley Lou Richardson and Barbie Fiera um, did seem old for these roles. Uh, Haley Lou Richardson almost more so. Well, yeah, I think. She's okay, older. so the thing about Haley Lou Richardson is she does seem older, like yeah. than she actually is, and I think it's because of her voice. Like I said, it just her seems voice, like yeah, she, for some reason, yeah, she just seems like very mature, yeah. um, which is good for this, like. Like mm-hmm. role of being like a uptight sort of controlling character, yeah. but I do agree that they seem older than they are, more so than in our second movie, Plan B. But those actors are also the same age. Like, however, life, right? I think what bothered me less about it is that mm-hmm. you know, Edge of Seventeen came out in 2016, so Haley Lee Richardson has been playing right seventeen for five years. Yeah, yeah and yeah. I think that's why it tripped me up. Whereas mm-hmm. the uh, two actresses in Plan B were like fresh faces to me, right. so I was like, yeah, I yeah, can yeah. willingly accept that these. I can pretend that these women are <laughs> seventeen. Right. But Haley Lee Richardson, I'm like, I saw you in a movie fucking five years ago girl yeah you're not I, I do wish i want to see her like in college movies yeah. or like really hard young ad- yeah because like i do feel uh you know i, I think jennifer lawrence had this problem uh, mm-hmm. kind of in her career where she went from playing like teens like katniss to moms in right. american hustle and you're like yeah. she's like 25 yeah and uh, it is weird there, like there needs to be a middle ground <laughs> where women can be 20 to 30 years old yeah <laughs> their prolonged adolescence can continue into our 20s um which is how i feel right now <laughs> right yeah i mean i think that like uh obviously the the like premise of these movies like we as a, oh, adults legal adults we it is easier for us to access things like birth control and yeah like, that's true abortion. that's true but but not by much sometimes <laughs> right exactly and it's also it's still like can be i think probably an emotional hard yeah thing so definitely and the striking thing about pairing these two movies together is that um, they really, when you watch two movies like this back to back, kind of highlight the formula people have been using for high school movies, mm-hmm. high school friendship movies, um, kind of like party teen comedies, <laughs> which is the formula so far is like, there's two friends, one is a rule follower and the other is like a delinquent and that's the foil <laughs> setup in both of these films. Yep. <laughs> which is really funny and it definitely predates super bad and I'm laughing right now because in our notes I spelled super bad as two separate words like an old person, like super bad, <laughs> even though it's some the movie title is one word. <laughs> it predates super bad, but I feel like unfortunately all of these movies 
uh, get compared to Superbad like Booksmart did as well. Yeah. And I don't even, I've seen Superbad maybe once and don't remember anything about it. So I feel like that's, oh, that's hindering funny. me from making that comparison. So maybe that's yeah. good though. It's really a shame that um, I'm looking up a lot of comments for both uh, reviews for both of these movies. People kept comparing them to Superbad. Mm-hmm. And Superbad is not the first like teen sex comedy to exist, you know. Right, uh, yeah. But everyone just gets kind of, it's the most memorable one perhaps from like the mid aughts, um, mm. which is a shame. But Barbie, who plays Bailey, um, loved her performance in this as well. want to give her props. She uh, is in Euphoria, but I don't watch that show because it creeps me out. Um, <laughs> and she gave me like, and this is obviously a high compliment, Lady Jack Black vibes in this role. Yeah, I could see that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because she's kind of like goofy. Yeah. But but smart, too. Yeah, and a little bit how she dressed and some mm-hmm. of her just like comedic physical acting reminded me of right. him. Obviously, this is a huge compliment. I love Jack Black. And <laughs> the internet continually rediscovers that Jack Black is sexy every few months. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. We should do like uh, a School of Rock episode. I love School of Rock. Oh my me gosh, RIP to that one guy who just I died. Know. My first, I, one of my first crushes. Yeah. I had a crush on the guy with, who played bass, I think. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Zach, uh, do you think the leads in Unpregnant had good chemistry? Honestly, I, I do. I bought it. I think that especially the very last shot where mm. uh, they, it's also just like a, a fantasy that I think a lot of girls could probably mm. relate to where you like reconnect with your childhood best friend and yeah. like your fr- your everything your friends again and it's yeah. great I think I mean I definitely like harbor that fantasy mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, so it like fulfilled that for me but also like the last shot is them is uh, Veronica going over to Bailey's like lunch table where she's sitting alone and it's just like hey and then as soon as they look at each other they start laughing and i think that was that, cute. that was so cute i loved that that was very very cute so that um, like sealed it for mm-hmm. me i feel like i feel again going back to the script um mm. i feel like the script almost didn't serve the two actresses completely well because they mm. were both really great and did have a lot of chemistry um but a few things i did like was kind of the gradual kind of breadcrumbs we were getting of insight into their relationship like the adorable like handshake they had and when mm, they would talk yeah. I think it was in Klingon they would communicate in Klingon <laughs> um, so I, I was happy when the movie leaned into like these very specific like weird characterizations of these two girls where you started to understand them and kind of turned more broadly away from like she's the uptight popular one she's right. the big goofy one you know right. like yeah, yeah, yeah. that was better um Another thing we should probably reference is that uh, Bailey's character has a coming out arc in this movie, um, which also happens in Plan B. Uh, And uh, I was happy that there's queer representation in this movie. However, it felt kind of shoehorned in to me, I guess, because like the premise is they're on this road trip and it's a time crunch. And then Bailey has time to make out with a random girl in a carnival i was like oh my god you you guys are gonna miss your freaking appointment you didn't even make an appointment that really stressed me out yeah same didn't even make an appointment oh my god very out of character very out of character seemed like just trying to make a conflict or like yeah so i 
was kind of annoyed by that. And then yeah. they kept like easily moving the appointment too. They were like, I was like, that's right. not how it works. Like, yeah, there would not really have been hard. an appointment. Exactly. It's really hard. You're going to drive 19 hours, make the fucking appointment. Like, come yeah. on. <laughs> that annoyed me. <laughs> um, there is a kind of fun horror movie turn in the middle of the mm-hmm. movie. What'd you think of that? I thought that, um, it was so ridiculous, but mm. at, as I was thinking that, I was like, this is the right amount of ridiculous that would be in, like, any other teen, like, road trip, you know, movie. But I do think that this turn especially, like, there are a lot of weird hijinks that go on, but mm-hmm. I think this one especially, I was like, whoa, like, <laughs> came out of left field, kind of. Um, and I think that... Yeah. It just seemed sort of like disjointed, or like the pacing was off. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, I could I could see that too. It was like I th- and we kind of talked about this before recording, but the hijinks in Plan B are kind of like more baked into the movie. Yeah, you know? the, it just flows better. I think yeah. it's just better writing. Mm-hmm. Is, I, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, so it felt like you were more like along for the ride, kind of. Right. And also, I think the stakes of the hijinks in Plan B were like more realistic almost you know right. like, they met, like oh, a for creepy sure. guy you know and they're like, at a party yeah yeah for sure for sure like it just seemed more like lived in and real this one yeah. seemed a little Far-fetched. it was a little crazy yeah and i do also think this movie was um a little luxury at times um and i am obviously like the most pro-choice person um but I think when you're using a film to kind of try to get across some points about um, what is sadly a political belief, uh, a lighter hand sometimes works better. And I think, again, this goes back to the script that this movie did a lot of telling and not a lot of showing. Mm -hmm. Um, And unfortunately, the other movie that both of these movies are going to get compared to constantly is uh, Never Rarely, Sometimes Always. Did I say Mm -hmm. those words in the correct sequence? Mm -hmm. Okay. (laughs) Never Rarely, Sometimes Always. Um, which we both watched last year, um, which has an incredibly similar premise told in a totally different tone. Right. Um, and that movie does not do a lot of pontificating um, and does a lot of instead just showing the gravity and the magnitude of what this young woman has to go through in order to, um, right. you know, procure an abortion for herself and kind of be independent. Right. I do yeah. think that, like, I totally agree. I think that there's a part where Veronica gets, like, super frustrated. She's, like, at her, mm-hmm. the end of her rope and is just, like, yelling and ranting about how ridiculous it is that she has to go through all of this. And I think mm-hmm. that, that, I think that seemed real to me. I feel like that is something that I could see. Like, so, I yeah. mean, and, you know, who cares what's real and what's not, you know. But uh, mm-hmm. it just seemed very relatable i guess um but i think they might they sort of like put like i guess have that conversation more Mm -hmm. than once kind of almost and it seems a little bit repetitive i think Mm -hmm. it could have just like you said uh shown more than tell yeah definitely um, another, I think, really valid critique of this movie, um, we read about in an article in Bitch Media by um, Kendall Cunningham, uh, Unpregnant is too white to be revolutionary. And to kind of sum up the points um, this writer makes, 
They're as a road. It's a road trip movie, and they encounter a bunch of um, supporting characters in different states and cities who are around for just a couple of scenes. And there are three supporting characters who are all black people who serve to like aid the the two leads in some way. Um, and unfortunately, they are. Um, let me try to find a specific example. Um, so, for instance, there's a young black man who helps Bailey and Veronica escape the cops by like diverting attention to himself. And um, Kendall Cunningham uh, writes, the last image of Jared in the diner feels straight out of a Black Lives Matter-themed satirical cartoon, but at no point in the scene does it feel as though the director, Rachel Lee Goldenberg, understands the racial tension and potential dangerous situation she's representing on screen. It's hard to believe that a black man in Texas, surrounded by cops, would risk his freedom and possibly his life to help two white strangers get away with a crime, even in the seemingly harmless form of patriotic expression. In a moment meant to be humorous and charming, uh, Jared comes across as an eager puppet for white people. Um, 100%. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah, I definitely, it definitely seems sort of like thoughtless to put a black man in that situation. You know, it just like, it doesn't, these two white girls, even though they Mm. (laughs) like committed an actual crime of stealing a car or in much less danger from the cops than uh, a black teenager so yeah it was just it was a little like frustrating to see that i think mm-hmm. i think that's the most egregious one but right there's also a black woman at the beginning of the film who helps them and um a black man at the end of the film as well so yeah just a bummer and i think that when we talk about plan b we'll get into kind of how representation there is handled in a way that makes the movie feel um, you know, fresh and original and mm-hmm. um, unique in a way that Unpregnant failed at. Right, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Um, let's do one-star reviews. Yeah, let's do one-star reviews. When I was saying earlier, I was like, what is the audience for this movie when they would do kind of like mm-hmm. pro-choice uh, speeches? I was surprised that people who aren't pro-choice even watch these movies. Right. Like, really surprised yeah. that anyone would watch these films um the first one star review is like all good quote road to unquote movies madcap hijinks and hilarity ensues can these two former bffs now polar opposites travel together without making each other crazy will veronica decide to get an abortion or carry her pregnancy to term and adopt her beautiful child out to a loving family well the movie is called unpregnant so this review starts off where you're like yeah all right and then takes a, a turn it's I, and one of the things that I love about both of these movies it's that the characters are like I have to get an abortion I have to get Plan B and that's just it. There's no like they're not yeah. like oh should I get an abortion? It's like no you have to get like they're getting an abortion. That's what they're doing. Mm-hmm. That's the next step in the movie, and that's it. Doesn't I like that? It just doesn't like a lot. I think a lot of people know if before it happens what their plan is and i like that it just like unwavered from most unwavering from yeah oh uh, yeah i do uh, yeah that is true i think exactly i think a lot of people know in their right. heart immediately what they exactly would. and i think like i feel like a lot of pro or anti-choice mm-hmm. rhetoric is like you don't know what 
you'll think like what when it happens to you like you'll be like yeah. magically struck by this like presence yeah. of life in your body mm-hmm. which is such bullshit it's like very infantilizing towards right <laughs> people who can get pregnant yeah, yeah. So, oh, and the second one-star review is, I kept forwarding because the dialogue, plot, and everything else is so bad I couldn't wait for it to finish. It was also 90% predictable, but hey, I'm pro-choice. But that's not enough for me to give it more than 2 out of 10. So just another perspective from the political spectrum. (laughs) (laughs) Ken's, I'm going to rate this a Mm 5. I liked it. It was, I liked the two leads. I don't yeah. think I'll ever watch it again. <laughs> right. Okay. Yeah. I think I'll also rate it a five. I think I did maybe my, like it a little more than you mm-hmm. maybe, but you know, I also will probably never watch it again. Yeah. I just like, I'm such a freaking sucker for mm-hmm. getting back together with your childhood best friend. I'll say yeah. right now, yeah, yeah, yeah. Bridget, sweetie, if you want to, I know you listen, <laughs> let's hang out. <laughs> the other Bridget. <laughs> um, so yeah, and let's move on to our next movie, Plan B, um, from 2021. Just came out, mm-hmm. like, a week ago. Yeah. Sunny and Lupe are best friends. Sunny is a straight-laced A student, and Lupe is a carefree spirit, but both girls are under pressure from their parents and bonded together by being two of the only people of color in their small Midwestern town. When Sunny impulsively has sex at a house party, she and Lupe travel the state to find Plan B. Immediately watching this, I was like, okay, this is going to be a better movie. And I think what did it for me was the opening montage of the two girls getting ready set to Everyone's a Winner by Hot Chocolate. I was like, all right, I'm in. Yeah, I love that. Um, I think it just immediately these two people felt more like lived in. Yeah, definitely. I think even for like their costuming choices, it just seemed more like... Uh, they seemed like like real people instead of like mm-hmm. fitting into this like, um, like this one's the the uptight one. uptight one and this one's the crazy one or whatever. Yes, I shouldn't. Say yes, that. I think you're very right about that. I think both Lupe and Sunny um, kind of like move from one role to the other. You know, like mm-hmm. um Sunny gets opportunities to kind of do really outrageous and crazy things that mm-hmm. would be seemingly out of character because that's how people are, you know? Mm-hmm. Um Right. And, you know, the movie is kicked off by her decision to kind of impulsively have sex for the first time at a party. Um, you know? Mm-hmm. And in a in a way that surprised me too. Like they re- they set it up so you think she's gonna have sex for the first time with her crush, who they yeah. describe as an athletic librarian, which yes is what teen girls want. Um <laughs> And then she actually has sex with this like weird Christian guy who is just a, kind of like around at the time that she wants to have sex, you know. Right. Um, yeah. So I really, I really enjoyed that uh, representation of um, you know a young girl's first time. Yeah, the guy that she does end up having sex with looks like a guy at my first kiss. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. Which is uh, funny. I all- was thinking of Mackenzie a lot of Sunny's chemistry with her crush. Well, I think his name mm-hmm. Hunter. Yeah, I think so is that they both really like anime. I know. It's very cute. It's yeah. so cute. I love... I feel like anime is a type of thing where if you find another person that likes it, you, you're like, hell yeah. Like, let's, yeah. let's get stop. into it. <laughs> that was so cute. And again, kind of like just another shading of Sunny's character where she seemed more like a real person. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Lupe as well, uh, you know, kind of had a few different contradictions. And um, I think despite their differences, both girls came from like similar backgrounds, you know, like we mentioned in the summary, you know, um, two of the only non-white families in their high school and um, parents who kind of love them very much, but maybe didn't understand them. And I think also something this movie did better was ground the parent relationships yep. in a way that like mm-hmm. contributed to the stakes, like in Unpregnant, like uh, Veronica can't talk to her mom about being pregnant, but her mom is like not a screen presence until the very end of the movie. Yeah, uh, it's weird. It is weird. And it's not like the parents are around in this movie very much either, but they talk about their parent relationship mm-hmm. and kind of do things that display their parent relationship more so um, throughout the film. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I think even, and in um, Unpregnant, one of the main plot points is uh, Bailey's relationship with her dad. Mm-hmm. And even though that's what, like one of a main yeah. plot points, for Bailey, I feel like Plan B he just handled it better or something. I'm not sure yeah. why that is, but I totally agree. Um, another interesting comparison to these movies and Booksmart is that it is a type A slacker pairing and also a straight girl queer girl pairing, um, which is interesting that that's kind of become at this point like a trope almost. Um, right. Let's see a movie with two queer girls as besties. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, you're right. Mm -hmm. And I like also that um, in both of these films, uh, Lupe and um, Bailey's coming out is like a non-issue really, you know, like it, there's, there's stakes, but ultimately both girls are accepted like pretty readily by their best friend. Um, Mm -hmm. You know? Yeah. I like that too. Mm-hmm. which it also just makes sense, you know, like, yeah, exactly. That tracks for how it would go. I think. Mm-hmm. It, yeah. Especially nowadays. Um, mm-hmm. I thought that these two leads had excellent chemistry too. Yeah, me too. They at the at like one of the final scenes when they mm-hmm. reach their destination and realize it's closed and Sunny just starts like kind of having a panic attack she's like crying Mm -hmm. and just like sinks to her knees and lupe starts crying too yeah and i thought that was really sweet because like we've all been there i feel like where your friend is crying and you can't help but Mm -hmm. also cry with them um Mm it's just very sweet watching these two movies back to back had me thinking about how buddy movies um, kind of have in some ways similar arcs to rom-coms where Mm -hmm. like we're introduced to the couple and then there is like a misunderstanding or like a fight that to the audience seems like easy to repair. You're like, this is crazy. Like you two clearly love each other. This is nuts that you're having a fight about this. And then there's like a third act reunion um, between the friends or the couple, you know? Um, Right. Yeah. I am glad that it was like they had a, little fight that was like almost immediately worked out. Like I don't have time or big misunderstanding. Yeah. I don't like that. (laughs) I know. Uh, Me too. They already have enough conflict. They have to get her plan B. Yeah. Um, From their parents. Um, Director Natalie Morales uh, talked about the chemistry of the two leads. Um, She said, you know, when you watch Fleabag and the hot priest, 
And you're like, oh, that's chemistry. I've just never seen chemistry before. <laughs> I was looking for something close to that. I mean, without the romance or sexual energy, I needed people that jumped off the screen when they were together. She found it miraculously enough in Verma and Morales, um, despite the fact that they were forced by what else, the pandemic, to conduct their chemistry, chemistry test via Zoom, um, which is interesting. And they filmed this movie during the pandemic. Yeah, it seems very difficult to do. It does seem um, difficult to do. But I love, yeah, They. I think they... I'm trying to remember the unpregnant like singing in the car, you know, because like they all have every road yeah. trip movie has that they start oh, off and they're singing along. They sing Kelly Clarkson and unpregnant. Okay, I, I so that's another thing I loved that, but I was also like these girls. I feel like Kelly Clarkson, ancient history. To them. Exactly. Yeah, I was <laughs> like, I was like, it's too. They they don't know who Kelly Clarkson is. Like, I don't think that they would know. Like, really. Yeah. Truly. It, that was like for us. Like, Maybe a throwback uh, for sure. Yeah. Um, in Plan B, they have a very funny scene to a dubstep uh, or like house music Christian song. Yeah. It's like a rap it for Jesus. Like, yeah. Do yeah. it all for Jesus, which was very funny. And again, kind of another just like character shading of Lupe where right. she is like not a Jesus freak, but her dad is a pastor. So right. she's like, yeah, I know this song and it's yeah. really good. <laughs> I do love that too, where she was like waiting for Sunny's reaction yeah. to see if she could like reveal that song. she actually did like the song, which I thought was yeah. very sweet and relatable. Mm. <laughs> this movie also stressed me out because when I realized that their road trip was only three hours and they were right. making so many pit stops, I was like, yeah. okay, girls, like <laughs> get in the car. Right. <laughs> oh, we have to talk about, um, so at one point, their hijinks leads them to this drug dealer in the middle of the countryside who is this young guy who has a bunch of fake IDs and maybe plan B, but it could be speed. <laughs> and he wants to sell it to them for like hundreds of dollars and then says, you know, like you could give me a blowjob instead. And the girls fight over who will give him a blowjob, <laughs> which is very sweet. And very scary, and mm-hmm. I think the movie did a good job of making it funny, while also you were, like, horrified for them. Especially as, like, an older woman, I was like, oh, no, girls. <laughs> um, and then you see full frontal penis. Yeah. Surprising. I, yeah, it was, very, it was very funny. And very, like, I am glad that this movie was, like, allowed to be raunchy, you know? <laughs> yeah, me too. And that it was, um, that it was kind of, like... You know, we we saw a penis, but we didn't have to see any of the leads naked, you know? Like, right. Um, yeah, that was I enjoyed, nice. I enjoyed that. <laughs> <laughs> and it was very it was very funny scene. Um, I don't want to spoil any of it because it's some great physical comedy. Yeah. Um, but very, very funny. <laughs> yes. Yeah, good. Um, um, also, this movie, uh, I think, you know, I'm obviously a white person, uh, so I don't know. I can't speak to if this feels authentic to... Um, you know, people of color watching the movie, but I thought the film did a good job of kind of showing the absurdness of like rural white America towards non-white people, you know, like, um, Mm -hmm. I mean, growing up in a mostly white high school, I think, unfortunately, this movie did a good job of showing how like kind of the different white people who encounter the two leads, like say terrible shit to them. Um, you know, but like making it, highlighting how stupid and ridiculous 
Right. You know, their, their like ignorance and racism is. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, you want to jump into one star reviews? Yes. So the first one star review is seriously, this was as unfunny as it gets. Maybe the male nudity would have fetched a laugh 10 years ago, but is now just a sad attempt. Stay away. I laughed. I laughed at <laughs> you. This movie like shocked me more. Also, uh, like we were saying, the tonal shifts are bigger in Unpregnant, but this movie like had me like cringing and laughing more. Like mm-hmm. not just the penis part, but when the guy is really high and trying yeah. to chase the girls yeah. around, I was like, ah, yeah. <laughs> it also seemed like I feel like when I was in high school, just. The feeling of like being in dangerous situations at yes. night is like yes. so it's so familiar. Yeah, and like <laughs> and not just, even really being fully aware that right you're in danger. Yeah. It's such a weird I guess I haven't felt like that in a really long time. But it did evoke that feeling for me, which was interesting. Yeah. They I definitely am in less positions, <laughs> less situations. Well, it's. Like a, I think one. I think the thing, like, well, they're driving in this movie. But as soon as I like had a car, I was like, I'm safe because I can just leave any situation. You know. Yeah, like, and you know what? What something that I related to this movie more so than Booksmart, for instance. And Natalie Morales in an interview I read points this out too. You know, it's not about rich kids. Uh, you right. know, like, sorry, I'm gonna compare it to Booksmart, but Booksmart is about like kids who live in LA who like mm-hmm. go to a party on a yacht. This right, is more yeah. familiar to me. This yeah. is kids who party in the woods. Exactly. Kids who party at a <laughs> shitty bowling alley. I'm yeah, like, okay, they're like this at is where I grew up. <laughs> the drug dealers at like a playground, which is just yeah. like spot on. <laughs> exactly. So nice to see some working class, middle class representation <laughs> in a teen comedy, uh, for sure. Okay, the last one star review is terrible. Stop promoting murder as okay. Like, this guess one- what? This is plan B. Like, yeah. Learn a fucking thing or two. This legitimately confused me. I was like, murder. I was like, <laughs> me too. I was, I was like, trying to kill think someone. Back to like- I was like, I hit someone with a car. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then I was like, are they talking about plan B? Because what? Uh, I know. Yeah. Like, really? Like, are is a condom murder? <laughs> <laughs> All I liked also how both of these movies were just like the condom fell off, like which is like so like it's happened to everyone you know like uh, that peeing out the condom i feel obviously not peeing it out but you know like on screen representation <laughs> long needed <laughs> yeah so um i'll rate this movie a six because i liked it more than unpregnant mm-hmm. and i thought it was just smarter and like be- like better written but Mm -hmm. um but i also probably will never watch this again but yeah i think i would recommend this to more people Um, right yeah same uh i thought it was really good direction from natalie morales excited for her to get more opportunities i'm sorry i'm excited for them to get more opportunities uh to direct um and yeah i thought the leaves were delightful the writing was delightful and i had bigger laughs watching this movie so i'm gonna give it a six and a half sorry to up your ante <laughs> it's okay <laughs> sweet yeah i mean i do i love like i had a really really good time watching both of these movies mm-hmm. I, I think that like anything like i said anything that is like has good female friendships in mm-hmm. it 
I'm just going to be it's gonna like her. hit me in a certain yep. way and I'm gonna like get chills you know <laughs> totally. so love that but I don't think I yeah like would watch them again maybe mm-hmm. but well Chick Flicks is researched and written by Bridget Hovell and edited by Mackenzie Chapman many thanks to Tim Grieve Carlson for our music and our next episode will air on June 28th and we will be discussing Shape of Water and Splice and if you can get what the connection is between those movies you know you're in for a wild ride <laughs> you can follow chick flicks on instagram and twitter at chick flicks pod and email us at chick flicks podcast at gmail.com and rate and review us on apple Podcasts. yes thank you for listening i feel like i should say that i am sorry i say crazy so much i try i need to stop fucking doing that Mackenzie, I saw a Twitter thread about how like people were saying that calling people crazy is bad, but referring to situations as crazy as crazy is like okay, like and like okay, you know, like a, an appropriate use of the word, like saying okay. like this was crazy, like or like this is just insane, you know, like okay. that is okay. But when you're like offhandedly being like this that crazy person, person. Yeah, okay, I think that's okay. what is problematic. Okay. Because yeah. I have been trying to remove it from my vocabulary for a while now, and I just keep... It, I don't think you ever use it in a way where you're talking directly about another person, though. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, I just wanted to acknowledge it, because it keeps fucking... I... Yeah. Anyway. Leave that in. Yeah, I'm going to leave it in, because I am struggling with it. <laughs> yeah, and, I know. That's important. Yeah. Um, and I just kept catching myself during this episode. Anyway. Um, thank you for listening. We're doing our best. Uh, Take care. Goodbye.